Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. And we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans this morning. We're going to be in chapter 4 today. So if you want to grab a Bible and open up to Romans chapter 4, we're going to pick up there. So the first three chapters of of Romans kind of set the stage in a lot of ways for what the next six or seven chapters are going to focus on now as we get into chapter 4. And we looked at the first couple of chapters um, over the past few weeks, and those, those chapters really paint somewhat of a bleak picture for the situation that mankind finds itself in because of sin. And when we saw there at the end of, of Romans chapter 3, the good news that Christ brought to the world through his sacrifice and the grace that's been extended to us to uh, find forgiveness uh, in him. And Romans chapter 4 continues on in that theme of, of being justified through faith. And he's going to use specifically Abraham here in chapter 4 as an example of that. So Jeremy, as we get into Romans chapter 4, I've always wondered why Abraham, you know, there's a lot of options that he could have picked from when he's talking about someone who's justified by faith. But I think Abraham fits what Paul is trying to say here perfectly. As you study through Romans chapter 4 and you begin to see Abraham being the one that's used here as an example, why do you think that is and what do you think the message is that Paul's trying to get across? I think in a lot of ways, I mean, certainly Abraham fits perfectly here and, and the Apostle Paul will use him and he likes use them. I mean, he uses Abraham in other writings and other places as well. I mean, the book of Galatians is another good example of when he's talking about some of these similar things, and he'll use Abraham as well. Mm-hmm. He brings up Abraham and talks extensively about Abraham and uses him as an example and illustration. And I think in a lot of ways, chapter 4 kind of sets really as a segue, as you made mention, from where we've been in chapter 3 to where we're heading in the next few chapters, because you kind of have a little bit of both worlds. You do have the idea that was kind of laid down for us in chapter 3 that it's justification by faith. It is That is the key in every way. You are justified by your faith in God. And then he's making the point, Abraham showcases that, but yet it's still you have that contrast but certainly from the Jewish brethren with their holding to the law mm-hmm. and, and wanting to do that and wanting to be justified by that in some way. But now you use Abraham, who certainly is a, is a lauded figure for the Jewish Christian who would be the father of their nation, but yet the point is made, listen, was Abraham justified by the law? Well, I mean, he was there hundreds of years before the law came into mm-hmm. existence. Was he justified because he was circumcised? No, I mean, the promises were made that is going to be alluded to in this chapter extensively long before he was circumcised. And and you start to see all of those things to really cement the justification by faith. Mm -hmm. And then now he'll put himself in a position as we'll move forward in chapters 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 to really get a good picture about what that looks like. Now, currently, for these brethren and, and for us, but before he does that, he does take this time to go way back into the history and really pinpoint Abraham and what it was that made him right before God. I mean, mm-hmm. righteousness is a word that comes up, and that's what we're all looking for. We're looking to be right in God's sight. 
Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Is it keeping of the law? Well, that wasn't what Abraham did. Right. That's not what anybody, anybody has done. And ultimately, that's the point that's made. Even the people who were keeping the law of Moses, their justification is not going to be tied to that. They're still doing so because of faith. Faith always, from the very beginning, has been the driving force for a relationship with God. Well, I think he points out, even going back to the end of chapter 3 and then the beginning of chapter 4, the, the danger of looking at justification by law is really what you're seeing there is justification by works. Right. And that, that's what he's, he's trying to help them see here is that if you're trying to be justified by the law, what you're really saying is that you can do something to justify yourself. Right. The way in which you keep the law is how you're trying to justify yourself. And if that's the case, then that leaves the door open for you to boast in that. For you to be able to say, look at me, look how good I am at doing this. And so what the Jews are struggling with, and what Paul's trying to help them see is, is that if justification is tied to the law, then what you're really doing is leaving room for you to boast in your ability to justify yourself. That, that's, what you're, that's what you're leaving room for. And Paul says, you can't, you can't do that. That's not the way this works. Even going back to the law, it was always about faith predating the law. It was always about faith. It's always been that way, and it is under the new law as well. Justification is something that comes from God, not from you. You can't justify yourself. You can't forgive yourself. You can't remove your own sins. Only God is capable of doing that. And so if we want to find righteousness in God, it has to be through faith. And so I think that's, as you pointed out, that's why Abraham is such a good example here. He could have gone to people who lived under the old law, but instead he goes back to someone who predates the law for that very reason, to show them that it's always been this way. The, 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 the aim and the purpose has always been for man to be justified through faith. That's always been the case. So it shouldn't surprise you, first century Christians, that under the new law, the point is you're going to be justified through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to find forgiveness. That's the only way to find salvation. You know, it's an interesting you know, point that's made at the very beginning, you know, there in verse 2, where you, know, you just made mention that if Abraham was justified by works, he has something of which to boast, but not before God. And, and that certainly is the case, that if, if it's left up to, you know, justification by the law, then it's, it's something that I can do, something that i am got power over, and if I do it, then I'm justified because of what I've done. And the point is made that you simply can't do that. And mm-hmm. we'll get into it a little bit later because it happens a little later in the chapter. But I think it, it is important for us to kind of bring it up because it also ties into what's happened in chapters 1, 2, and 3. You know, Paul is going to make the point later on in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham and the promise that was made specifically that he would have an, an heir. And, and right. there would because of that, there would be, you know, his descendants would be, you know, so many. And and the point at that time, he, he didn't have any. I mean, he had no heirs. And uh, certainly we can go back and, you know, go through that whole story. But, you know, even you, you have Abraham who tried to take that into his own hands a little bit and, and go through. But, you know, the point that Paul makes here is almost as if God was waiting for Abraham himself to be too old, mm-hmm. and, and certainly for his wife to be too old. I mean, the point's made here in Romans chapter 4 that Sarah's womb was dead. Right. And, you know, it's an, when we get down there, it's an interesting, you know, parallel with that and resurrection, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the point that's made is he's past the moment where Abraham can then do anything about it. 
it is everything on God. And now, and God, he shows himself, and certainly Isaac is born, and because of that, all of the Jewish people have come to be. And I think the point that's being made in chapters 1, 2, and 3 is that that's where we are with sin. Mm-hmm. We are so much, so deep in sin there's nothing that we in and our, our there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's nothing at all that we can do about it. And it's bleak and it's bad news. And there's you know there's listen. We're going to get into chapter five when the good news kind of right. you know kind of sprung on us. But it, it, the point that where Abraham was is where all Christians have to be. Yeah. All man has yeah. to be really. And I think again that is why the use of Abraham is such a great example of you know, the flow that Paul is trying to take these uh, Christians and us, the ride that he's taking them on really here in the book of Romans. I think that's why the first two and a half chapters are so important before you get into this part of it, before you get into chapter four and chapter five and chapter six. You have to understand the first few chapters of Romans before this part really comes to life for you. Because until we understand the depth of sin, and, and the terrible consequences that come with it, we're never going to fully understand what has been done for us through Christ. Th- this justification and the righteousness that we can, we can have and, and the, the relationship that we can have with Christ, that, that's never going to mean to us what God wants it to mean to us until we understand where we were in Romans 1 and 2. That has to be part of our, our journey to Christ, is understanding that we were once in a place where we could never get ourselves out of it. You know, we, we just, last night in our Bible class, we were just studying in, in Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant, where, where a servant there, Jesus tells a story about a servant who finds himself in, in unsurmountable debt. He could never get out of that debt, and yet the master forgives him all of it. And that, that's really how we have to see ourselves, yeah. where we, we have to recognize that it's a debt that we could never pay. You know, it's not like a mortgage on our house where we look at that and we think, okay, I've got a lot of debt maybe, but it's a debt I can pay. Right. That's not the way it is with sin. It's a, it's a debt that we could never pay. And the, the just consequences of that is death. And, and until we understand that part of it, then what we see here and the opportunity that we have to be justified through faith is never really going to mean to us what it should mean to us. But once we do come to an understanding of what sin did and how it severed the relationship that we had with Christ, once we truly come to understand that, then the justification that, be, that can be found through faith is going to be overwhelming to us. It's, gonna, it's going to put us in awe of what God has done for us. I think, you know, a lot of times when you run across a passage like in you know, Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 where it talks about that, you know, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And, you know, we lift up faith and we lift up belief, and rightly so. It, it is the key of, of believing God. I think it really encapsulates the idea of trusting God, that mm-hmm. these promises were made to Abraham that Paul's going to allude to in this chapter, and, and, and Abraham trusted God. He trusted yeah. in what God had to say. And I think the issue that we come in contact with sometimes today, and maybe an issue that they would have you know, here in, you know, in the book of Romans with these people that are reading this letter is, is coming to that full understanding about what that really is, yeah. that, uh, about what faith in God is, about what trusting Him, about what believing in Him encapsulates. It, it's so much more than just 
you know, acknowledging those words, you know, mm-hmm. I, I believe God. And now that I've acknowledged those words, everything just, you know, kind of comes down on me. I, I think in a lot of, even in the religious circles today, I mean, it's, it's kind of painted in that way that, you know, it's kind of a magic words to say, yep. hey, you know what, I have faith in God or I believe God. And because I've said that out loud, then boom, I've got all of the blessings that come with that. No, 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 it, it is a life. It, Abraham, as we see, he, he showcased his life. His obedience was because of his faith and his mm-hmm. belief in God and his trust in God maintained the way that he lived and drove the way that he lived. And again, Abraham is such a strong example for that. And that's why you have Hebrews chapter 11, all of those people, even before the law of Moses again, Mm -hmm. by faith they did this, by faith they did this. And you see how a life of faith, of just simply trusting in God and believing him, if you lay it all on the line, because there's nothing I could do. Right. I mean, that's, that's where Abraham was. I'm just going to trust God fully and let my life dictate that. And, and that's why he is lifted up in every way in this chapter. And we see what you just described, even in just a couple more chapters in Romans chapter 6, where, where Paul kind of shows us, listen, what this life of faith looks like is that the old man of sin is put to right. death. And he'll use that language in, in his epistles as well, in Ephesians chapter 4 and other places where he, he talks about the old man being put to death and the new person being, being raised up. I think that goes exactly with what you were just saying. This, this life of faith isn't something that's said in a sinner's prayer. Right. This, this life of faith is, is all-encompassing. It, it permeates every aspect of our life because who we once were, Romans chapter 1 and 2, right. that person no longer exists. It's not just, I'm making a few tweaks here and there, but a life truly dedicated to Christ through faith means you have become a new person. You are transformed into the image of Christ, and your purpose and your direction have completely changed, and that has to be seen in how we live our lives. And I think you're right when you look at Abraham and you look at how he lived his life and his willingness to go when God said to go. You know, that, that shows his uh, dependence on Christ, his dependence on God to, to be his director, the one who shows him where to go and what to do. That, that's the type of life that we as Christians today should strive to live, where, where our lives are fully devoted to God because we have been put to death. Our, our old person of sin no longer exists, and we are now transformed into the image of Christ, and we are completely giving ourselves over to him in faith. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting as, you know, as Abraham is kind of being lifted up here in Romans chapter 4, and he, he kind of begins by talking about the, the law and certainly the works of the law, and even moving from that even to circumcision as, mm-hmm. the, you know, as the chapter kind of unfolds a little bit. And, and, you know, circumcision is something that certainly the Jewish Christians would have would have held up as, you know, this is the symbol, this is the thing that, that showcases your relationship with God. And again, you know, in verses 9 through 12, you have Paul making the point that, listen, circumcision isn't the key mm-hmm. component to your relationship with God. Faith is the key component. And again, using Abraham shows that faith is the key, the key component, and it's always been that. Mm-hmm. It's, circumcision played a part, and it was an important part for the Jews at that time. And it's, it was an important thing that showcased their relationship with God. No question about that. It was a part of the covenant that they had with him. But it has always been and continues to be the key component is faith. And we've got to see 
the the importance of that being lifted up and it's going to be played upon through really throughout the rest of the book of Romans. You know, and we've talked already pretty extensively at when we looked at those first few chapters that there there is some tension that exists between right. the Jews and the Gentiles and how they're they're coming together under Christ and the new law here. And certainly one of those big stumbling blocks was circumcision. And that that's something that that has been dealt with specifically back in Acts chapter 15 the apostles dealt with that. But then even in Acts chapter 16, I think it's interesting, I think it goes along with what, what's being said here, is circumcision in and of itself wasn't right or wrong under the new law. But Paul took Timothy and had him circumcised so that he wouldn't be a stumbling block to the people that he was going to teach. There wasn't anything wrong with circumcision. But the point is, is that, as you pointed out, that's not where salvation comes from. That's not where justification comes from. Circumcision, if you feel compelled to be circumcised, okay, Jews, don't let that be a stumbling block. But also, don't try and bind it on the Gentiles. Don't create a stumbling block for them. You have to be able to rise above that and recognize, as you pointed out, that it was never about circumcision, just like it's never about your bloodline. It's, it's always been about faith in God. That has to take priority over everything. So don't let something physical like this become a stumbling block to your faith. And don't let it become a stumbling block to someone else's faith. And that, that's something I think even today we, we struggle with, perhaps not with circumcision, but there are certainly physical components that we can sometimes place in each other's way. Yeah. And, re- and we, we put too much emphasis on that and, and don't talk enough about this being about faith. Certainly there are physical things that God wants us to do and not to do in this world. Absolutely. But faith has to be the trump card. Faith has to be what it's all about. And if we truly have that level of faith, then the physical things are going to take care of themselves. I think that's what Paul's wanting them to see here. If you feel compelled to be circumcised, be circumcised. But don't let that take your focus off of what's really important, having faith in God. And I think, again, that's why he uses Abraham to kind of show that. I mean, you know, it's interesting, and you're right. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, you know, Certainly from the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, uh, probably a rift in, you know, certainly in, in what to do with the law, how to keep the law, what the law was all about. Circumcision played a heavy role in that. You made mention of Acts chapter 15. I mean, it was so significant of a conversation piece. I mean, Paul and Barnabas, they go to Jerusalem there where the, where the other apostles were, and they, they have a big discussion about it. And, you know, there's a letter that's drafted and that's taken to all of the, you know, to the churches that's, that talk specifically about it. And, and so you know it's a huge conversation piece that's going on. And again, it's interesting here in Romans chapter 4 where the apostle Paul will make use of Abraham and make the point that it, it, of almost uniting people through Abraham, uniting both Jews and Gentiles. And he does so, he does this in the book of Galatians as well, but he does so by really pointing not to the law or not pointing to circumcision that's binding people together, but pointing to the promise that was made to Abraham. That ultimately it comes down to the promise that through Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Certainly Christ being the key component to that. And then, you know, right there in 13, 14, and 15, that's what's being talked about. It's being pointed to the promise. And when we can focus on that, that that promise has everything to do with the Jewish Christians, Mm -hmm. but it also has everything to do with the Gentile Christians. And now it brings us all together as joint heirs under Abraham 
and a part of that family together. Spiritually circumcised will be, you know, a concept that will flow mm-hmm. throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And that really is pointing back to this promise that's made. And again, I think that's why Abraham is used so exclusively by Paul is because of the significance of that promise and the uniting factor, certainly, that Christ brings uh, through that promise made all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. I think you referenced there verses 13 and 14. If I was if I was a Jew or a Gentile, for that matter, reading this, I think verses 13 and 14 would be jarring yeah. and, and for both sides, for both sides. Because he says, therefore, the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. If you think about that, regardless whether you're Jew or Gentile, that would have been startling to hear because the Jews were raised for generations to believe that it was all about the blood that runs through your veins, that the promise was specific to you, and that if you were under the law, that did make you special in in a way. And the Gentiles were raised to to recognize that as well, that if they weren't a direct descendant of Abraham, that they weren't a part of this. And so for Paul to kind of make this bold statement to say that, hey, this promise was not made through his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. Whoa, because everybody was probably looking around thinking, oh, I thought it was. And I think that's what he's trying to help them see here is that you need to change your way of thinking about this. You need to recognize that the promise that was made to Abraham now is available to all people because of what Christ has done. Paul will talk about that in Galatians chapter 3 as well when he, he brings up very similar language and uses Abraham again as an example there. Right. But now now we're under under Christ, but we're all heirs of the promise that was made to Abraham now through Christ. And that that's what he wants all of us to recognize is that we can be unified in that today. Yeah, and we're unified in certainly what Christ does for us. And I think, you know, as this kind of chapter starts to come to a close and, you know, the example of Abraham is continued to be used, really you start to see that turn from Paul, Mm -hmm. even using Abraham to where he's going to go, certainly in chapters 5 and 6. Because, you know, you have in 16 to the end of the chapter, this, you know, the picture that's painted of the promise that's made Mm -hmm. and the fact that Abraham believed that promise. Yep. And, you know, the point, you know, it's really interesting. And I was thinking about this earlier today, certainly in verses, you know, in verse 19 and 20, where it talks about, you know, the, you know, above that, talking about the promise that, you know, he's going to have an heir, even though he's old, 99 at, at the time. And, you know, he, he doesn't have any kids. He's, mm-hmm. he's past that time. And, and that's the specific point that Paul makes. You know, you look at verse 19, where it says that, you know, not being weak in faith, he's not, certainly not weak in faith, he's strong in faith. Mm-hmm. He did not consider his own body already dead. And so I think it's an interesting word choice that Paul uses. Not that he was old or yeah. that he was past the time to have a child. He uses the word dead. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on even in that same verse to say that because he was about 100 years old and the deadness mm-hmm. of Sarah's womb. So again, you have this word, the deadness of Sarah. He could have used all kinds <laughs> of different words to talk about, you know, that she wasn't in a position to have, you know, children. But yeah. he uses the word dead. Yeah. And so the picture is painted that, 
You have the dead body of Abraham, the deadness of Sarah's womb, that God, because of Abraham and Sarah's faith, mm-hmm. he makes alive. Mm-hmm. He raises from the dead. And, and, you know, it really is, I think it's an interesting parallel that he will continue to use, certainly yeah. in chapters 5 and 6, with what he has already painted. He's already painted a picture at the end of chapter 3 that because of our sins, we are dead. Yep. I mean, that's the reality. The wages of sin is death. We're going to read you know, a little bit later on in this, in this book. It, all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've seen that already in Romans chapter 3. And so the picture is painted that that's the condition that we are in, like Abraham. But Abraham had faith, and because of that, he was made alive. And that's going to be the same point that's going to be made. Because of our faith in God and, and who he said, we can be made alive. And I think it's interesting, the word choices, because mm-hmm. it, it is the exact same picture that he'll continue to play on, certainly in the next couple of chapters. Yeah, and I, I love the, the language that he uses there in verse 21, just following that, where after just talking about what you just described, he says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to, to perform. That, is, that shows the depth of Abraham's faith and it's a great example to you and I, because if we want to be raised from the dead, so to speak, as you yeah. just described, we first have to be fully convinced in God's ability to do that. And that requires faith. That requires us to put our trust in Him, to recognize that I am helpless, I am dead in my sins, but I believe 100% that God is able to raise me from that. Right. He is able to make me a new creature. He is able to breathe life into me again. We have to be fully convinced of that. You can't be halfway convinced and, and experience the, the blessings found in Christ. You have to be fully convinced of that. And that requires faith more so than just, as we pointed out earlier, reading words on a page or even saying something out loud. That requires a complete change in how you think about things. That, that requires a complete change of focus and purpose in your life. That requires you to completely give yourself over to God. It requires everything that we have to be fully convinced in God's ability to do what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I can't do. That's what it means to be fat. That's what it means to have faith in Christ is to really show that we are fully convinced. And, and the beautiful picture that, that's painted here of how Abraham and Sarah did that, I think serves as a great example for us. Yeah, it, it, listen, we can, you know, there are other places in the New Testament, you know, to go certainly with Abraham. And we even are given not just his mindset, but a picture of how fully convinced he was. I mean, you go back to the, you know, the pages of, you know, the book of Genesis, in the midst of his story, you know, this incredible promise is made to him. And, you know, and Isaac is born. I mean, yeah. his, the, his dead body and the deadness of Sarah's womb was, was made alive. And, and Isaac is born. And it's not long after that, that God tells Abraham, you take this son and you mm-hmm. take him up on this mountain and you sacrifice him. Mm-hmm. And the Genesis shows us that he does that. He, he takes him and he binds him and he places him there and he raises the knife. And now God stops him in that story. But in the New Testament, we, we get a picture of his mindset yeah. that, that he did that 
convinced that God had the power to raise them from the dead. Yeah. Now, I, I, there's no evidence that, that God has gone around at the time of Abraham just willy-nilly raising <laughs> people from the dead. So Abraham was like, well, I've seen God do that a hundred times, so he's going to do it here. There's no evidence of that. There's no yeah. evidence of God even telling Abraham, yeah. now, if you really do this, ah, don't worry about it, you know, kind of wink, wink. Uh-huh. I'll take care of things. There, there's none of that. And so you see this level of convincing that Abraham had. And you're right. You, you pointed to a, you know, that passage there in verse 21, being fully convinced. Because he was fully convinced, he was willing to do whatever God told him to do, mm-hmm. whether it made any sense to Abraham whatsoever. And you can take that idea and make good application for yeah. us. That, that's what faith is all about, being so convinced that God is, is able to be trusted that I'm willing to do whatever he has asked me to do, whether it makes any sense mm-hmm. to me or not, yeah. or certainly whether it makes sense to the world or not. Right. And a lot of the things that he asks us to do doesn't make sense to the world. But I'm going to do it because I am fully convinced of God and who he is. Mm-hmm. And that is, in, in a lot of ways, what Abraham's all about. Yeah, when you go back and look at the teachings of Jesus, so much of what he has to say is counterintuitive right. to the way that our culture thinks about things. You know, the last shall be first, the meek shall inherit the king. I mean, these aren't the ways that the world thinks about things. But to someone who is fully convinced, to someone who is fully convinced that Christ is the Son of God, and he came to earth and he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, for someone who is fully convinced, then we look at that and we say, okay, I trust you. It may not make all the sense in the world to me, and it's definitely not going to make sense to those outside of Christ. But I trust you. I am fully convinced as to, in regards to who you are and what you're capable of doing. And that drives us, that motivates us to be the kind of people that Christ wants us to be. That has to be the way that we view everything in this world, through the prism of Christ. Because if we view it through the prism of the world, it's not going to make sense. It won't make sense, and we won't be fully convinced. And if we're not fully convinced, then we won't find the blessings that are available to us through Christ. We have to have that level of faith. And it's a process. It takes effort on our part to get to that point where we can truly put all of our faith and trust in Christ. I mean, that's exactly right. And again, as we're closing, that's why faith is so important, because it is the driving force to everything. How much convinced are you? If you are fully convinced, like Abraham was, you're going to follow God wherever he leads. And that's in a lot of ways what the rest of the book of Romans is all about. And it's a decision that's got to be made, you know, not just for them, but certainly for us today. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. appreciate everyone's uh, time as you studied along with us. Hopefully this has given you some things to think about. If you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you come and join us. We meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10 a.m. So please come and join us if you have the opportunity to do so. You can also follow along with our services at traderspointchurch.org if you can't make it in person. So please take advantage of that as well. So thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.